This is the Startup with Kids podcast, episode seven. You're listening to the Startup with Kids podcast. Telling the stories, strategies, and successes of parents doing business. All right, everyone. Thank you so much very much for tuning in to yet another episode of Startup with Kids. We are back at it once again. I'm your host, Dan Cumberland. We have just a great interview for you today. It just delivers so much value. I'm so excited to share it with you. It was really one of the most fun interviews that I've done, not that I rank my guests or my interviews, but it was just so fun that it, it, just to show how how much fun it was, it, it just went went on the long side. So just want to prepare you up front that this will be just a little bit longer than normal, not excessive, of course. But we just got to this point in the interview, and I was thinking this is usually about the time where we stop, but there's just so much left unexplored. So do we stop now, or do we keep going? And I'll figure out what to do about it later. And uh, so I chose the latter, which is to figure out what to do about it. And what I decided to do about it was just to put the whole thing um, out there so that you would just be able to, to hear it all. Our guest is an entrepreneur who has a, a handful of business. I think, he's, I think he counted four at one point in the interview. We could just spend hours exploring all the ins and outs of what he does, how he does it. He talks about partnership. He talks about software, all kinds of different places to explore. But we chose instead just to focus on one single area Area of expertise. And it's actually, he talks about it as his side project. And that is private label selling on Amazon. So if you've been around Startup With Kids, the podcast for a little while now, you remember that back in episode five, we spoke with Cliff LaRue about selling liquidated products on Amazon. He and his wife, Jessica, are just doing great business, going to stores, buying the things that are on sale, sale, bringing them home, and sending them to Amazon and, and making um, a business out of that. Today's show is a great follow-up to that. And if you haven't heard that show, it might be a good background to, to hit, hit the pause button now and go back to episode five of, of this podcast um, and, and listen to that first. But it's not a prerequisite by any means. So our, our guest today sells private label on Amazon. So it's similar in a lot of ways, but also different. We'll get into some of the nuances of, of, of what those differences are um, once we get into the interview. But just let me tell you, he's just found tremendous success doing what he's doing, shares all about how you can do something similar, and he's helping other people like me and you um, get started selling on Amazon. So I'm just going to jump in to the interview with our guest, Chris Guthrie. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Dan. Thanks for the invite to the show, and uh, looking forward to talking to you about Amazon and various other things I've been been doing for a while. Cool. Yeah. So, how long have you been doing the Amazon thing? Well, uh, with with respect to private label, I've been doing that for about a year now. Okay. But um, I've actually been making money from Amazon in some way uh, for about half a decade now. So, okay. Uh, that's how I originally got started was with Amazon's affiliate program. And uh, I was up to my my uh, the job income, or sorry, not the job income, but yeah, I was up to what I was getting paid at my day job uh, with Amazon affiliate stuff. And then when I lost my job in October 2009, I decided to stick with it full time. And Amazon affiliate income was the majority of that at the time. And then since then, kind of branched out into a lot of other things and kind of come full circle now and actually selling stuff on Amazon as well. 
Very cool. So Amazon wasn't a uh, wasn't new territory for you. And no, so you, I mean, no, not 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 so so much. <laughs> yeah, and so your other your other Amazon. So we've we've uh, our past episode was um, we were talking about Amazon FBA, um, and so we we've kind of covered some of just you know sourcing from from wholesale places. Um, is that kind of where you were before? I, I, I assume that's the only other way that that people are making it. Um, making money on Amazon. Yeah, no. So I, the way I was doing it, I was using Amazon's associates program. So okay. it's where you can get a referral, uh, oh, yeah, a, yeah. a commission on it. And it starts at 4% and then it goes up to 8.5% okay. uh, based on your volume. And so I think at my peak, I think like my best month or so was maybe $13,000 or so. And it was about, wow. you know, eight something percent. So it was nice. Um, obviously, yeah. in hindsight, the the flip side, actually selling products, you can make a lot more money than as yeah. an affiliate. Um, in terms of, you know, if I refer 5,000 sales as an affiliate, it's, it's much less money to me than if it's 5,000 of my own products. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. And affiliate, just for our listeners, affiliate, just so we're all on the same page, is, is when you are like in a blog post or on a website, you're talking about a product and linking to that on Amazon. And then you get that commission for if someone clicks through and purchases. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, it takes a lot of volume to uh, to to make affiliate work, right? Yeah, and I think I mean for me, I was using doing product review websites, okay. and so on the affiliate side, it's a lot better if you have higher quality traffic, right? So I have had sites uh, years ago that were getting half a million page views a month, which is quite a bit of traffic. Yeah, but they only were making about five hundred dollars a month because you know there were forums, and so AdSense didn't pay out that much. Uh, but then, you know, the product review website, the people that come to your website and the terms you're targeting in Google for rankings, you know, those people are really qualified potential buyers. And so you can make, you know, a lot more in a earnings per visitor sure. uh, value. So And so as far as the private label, um, it seems like private label is just a, a whole nother world with so many more complications than just doing FBA wholesale, that kind of thing. Um, how, how do you, how did you get your start? Um, was that something that you, you intentionally made this decision of like, I just want to go for this or did you see other people doing it? How did like, how did it all, all, all of that part of the journey begin for you? Yeah. So, I mean, that's, that's, uh, you know, I never got into wholesaling. Like I've never sent something into Amazon from my house in a box and then just, you know, sold like a one-off item. Uh, I know some people that, that are in that business model and you can make, you can make good money. Um, I, it just seemed like at scale, it was more difficult to accomplish that. So, I mean, I could be misunderstanding it, but everyone that I talked to that was doing, you know, a hundred thousand to a million or so a month in sales, obviously at the high side, that's massive, but all the people that I talked to that were doing that much uh, volume were all doing it with their own, their own brands that they built, and so that's kind of why I went after it in that in that regard. But um, but yeah, so my first exposure was someone emailed me from my blog, and uh, well, I guess I'll just mention it now since it's irrelevant. But it's uh, upfuel.com is the blog, and so he emailed me, and we become good friends. And he basically reached out and said, you know, he was looking for advice on getting Amazon uh, affiliates to promote his product on Amazon. I heard about selling products on Amazon, but I, I wasn't sure of all the details of, of what went into it. And so we got to going back and forth together. And uh, he told me about a course that he learned from. And so I ended up taking the same course. And then we have like a group that we kind of go through with people. And and so that's kind of how I got into it. But uh, he's he's the guy that got it, that got me started. His name's Brian. And, um, and yeah, that was really the, the beginning. And now I'm really just looking for 
ways to continue to grow it. Yeah, that's awesome. I see that. I, I saw on Upule that you, you and Brian are still partnering on, on a few things here and there. Yep, yep. We still have a group that we help other people that are doing uh, the same business. And he's, he's still doing more volume than I am. But uh, I'm still trying to catch him. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, hopefully you will. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. Yeah. Well, it's like I'd love to just kind of dig into like the whole concept of private label. And I think like you're saying, it makes so much more sense over, in, I guess for, it depends on, on your lifestyle and how you want to go about doing your business, I suppose. But it, it solves the sourcing problem that um, the other FBA approach has where you have to spend a good amount of time going to stores, finding places to buy stuff to then to then turn around on and sell on Amazon. It also seems to have the advantage that you could build build a brand. Um, at least I, I would think, and you can you can correct me if I'm if I'm wrong. Um, but build a brand and, and maybe even have more uh, repeat customers and that kind of thing. Um, where as with with the other FBA approach, it's just more like one off and um, less. You know, there isn't a brand loyalty. Is that true? Yeah, so I think there's several things you touched on that are worth kind of unpacking. Yeah. Um, the first is I'll say that you know I actually have three very specific rules that I've set for myself for any business I start, and it's it's probably worth sharing with uh, with your audience what they yeah, are. It might totally. help them as well. Sounds awesome. Um, so the first rule is I only start businesses that allow me the freedom to work wherever I want to. Um, so right now, yeah, I live south of you, so south of Seattle area, uh, and. It's, it's fine, but it's nice because, you know, last week we were in Oregon and I was doing some work um, while we were in Cannon Beach looking at Haystack Rock. So if I'm, you know, if I'm chained to a specific area, then I can't, I can't really do that. And so it doesn't allow us to take that time and, and enjoy it with our family. And so that's the first rule, freedom to work wherever I want to. And then the second, freedom to work whenever I want to. So for me, I've, you know, ever since college days, I would usually be up late at night the night before paper was due and that's just when I would get into the zone and do really well and so sometimes in my businesses I like to just work in the evenings uh, in the case of FFBA it's nice because you know when you're dealing with suppliers I only source from China at this time uh, and when you're dealing with them that's exactly the time zone that they're up and working is when it when it when everyone here and in, in, on the west coast gets off work and so that's another important thing. And then the third rule, and this really is the one that separates people that are able to do, you know, six figures and seven figures and, and on up. And that's the ability to scale. So looking at whatever business it is that you'd like to start and saying, okay, how do I get to 100,000? How do I get to 500,000? How do I get to a million? And on and on and on. And so for me, FBA and any other business I've, I've done checks those three boxes. And so that's, that's why I went, would, would have went into it. Uh, I don't know as much about the sourcing um, on in terms of just the FBA wholesaling or retail arbitrage or anything like that. Um, other than that, it seemed like it was more difficult to sustainably do it, and also because you're competing against so many other people. Whereas when when you're doing uh, FBA and you're selling your own products, you know you're you're competing against people that are selling similar things. Yes, but you can control the buy box. And so for people that don't know. But the buy box is that's where when you're on an Amazon listing and you click to buy, it will show which company you're buying it from. And when you private label your own product, then it's going to be your your buy box, right? So you're, you're every time someone buys a product on one of my listings, I get the sale as opposed to de- having to deal with competing with a bunch of other people selling the same pair of um, Bose headphones or something. Gotcha. Yeah. So yeah. and there's several different ways we can kind of go off from that. Um, yeah. Well, I think, you know, I, I think 
just to reflect back on those rules, I think those are really cool rules and something that um, I definitely want to, we'll, we'll probably circle back to this later, just talking about your lifestyle, but just to have that lifestyle in mind that you have, you have goals for the business, that it's not just, I just want to make money, um, but that you're trying to make money in a way that works for you and works for your family. And so I just want exactly. to say that, yeah, that, that just, it's super cool. Um, and something that um, I think I'm, I'm learning a lot about and, and um, I've loved, loved hearing yourself and other, other people that I uh, do interviews with talk about that because um, when you have a goal, then you know, <laughs> then you know when you're reaching your goal, you know? Exactly. Yeah. So with, with private label, maybe, so maybe, and tell me if this is a good place to, to jump in, but um, like, how, how do you go from like having an idea of like, is this a good product to knowing if it's a good product? Um, so which, you know, maybe that's product testing and then, and then from there to manufacturing, maybe you can kind of walk us through some of those, those steps along the way. Yeah. So uh, actually, uh, we have software that that does some research in terms of looking at on Amazon um, and looking at a bunch of different listings at once. I think I think you already know it, right, Dan? Do you know Amazuite? How uh, should you do it before? I don't know that. I don't know if I have. Okay, Could so you tell just, me more about it. Yeah, so we have yeah. we have software that we created um, back when I was an Amazon affiliate that would you know look through Amazon and then extract information to figure out you know what products are popular, how many reviews they have, what the average rating is. Uh, and then once I started selling on, on Amazon as a private label seller, I realized, hey, we can add these other features like pulling in the, the bestseller rank of a product uh, and some other information like the weight, who it ships by, et cetera. And then it's a really valuable tool for for private label sellers. So I use I use that tool. Uh, obviously, I'm biased since it's something that we that we built um, over the last several years and slowly improved. And and so that's usually what I use. But even if you were to do it manually, which is which is fine. Um, you can go to just amazon.com slash bestsellers. And if you go to that site, you're going to see, to that page, you're going to see multiple different categories of products that are selling in there. And so what you're trying to do, at least when you're first starting out, if you don't, especially if you don't have a lot of money, right? These are all kind of based on assuming that you don't have a ton of money to get going. Because if you do, then, you know, then there's other options. Uh, but if you don't have a ton of money to, to, get, to get started, then you want to go after something that's less competitive when you first start out. And so the range that I like to talk about, and I think this range can actually expand a little bit more since I last kind of publicly talked about this, but the initial range was about 500 bestseller rank to 2,000. And so on any Amazon listing, if you go to the listing, you scroll down, and under the product details section, it will show Amazon bestseller rank. And then there are usually multiple ranks in there. And the rank that you want to pay attention to is the rank that's for the primary category. So, for example, if it were some type of a supplement, then that would be health and personal care is the category that that would be in and not a subcategory within that. So that's the first part, right, is looking at at, at that space. And so once you've identified an area that you'd like to sell, and, and one thing I'll actually mention too is that even now I, I think about going even further out because there's more and more competition on Amazon, that's not to say it's it's not going to to continue to be a great way to make money. It's just going to be one of those things where the sooner people get started, the better they're going to be because they can better defend their position in various keyword rankings for products that are that they're selling and everything else. But you know, so once you're up and up and selling, or, or whether once you you find that type of product, then you're going to be going next to looking for suppliers, right? And so during that research phase too, you might want to be looking for what are people complaining about those products? Um, I read this article. People can check it out. It's, um, if you just Google 
Amazon Whisperer Fast Company. It's this article of this uh, guy and his company's doing nine figures a year annually. And they have teams of people that go to Amazon and look at these reviews and look for common complaints that people have with things that say something like, I wish that there were a, a wireless version of this product. And then they go out and build it, right? Wow. Yeah. And so you don't necessarily have to do something that technical, right? Because even just saying something that's not, you know, something wired versus wireless, that's already going to be an extra level of complexity and cost. But if you're to say, okay, someone's complaining about the fact that it, that it's uh, the material's too thin, right? Then that's something that you could easily change by contacting a supplier and saying, hey, I see you make this product. Do you have something with a thicker material that you can offer as well, right? I'm just thinking of a random kind of example, pulling it out of thin air. But uh, so when you you contact these suppliers, though, and you're going to be contacting a lot of them, right? Because what you want to do is you want to find the best quality sample from a supplier so you can find who the best is to work with uh, long term. And you're going to contact them, ask for samples, and they're going to send those to you, and then you can evaluate them. And so if your product, you know, depending on what your product is, you're going to actually want to test those out and see, you know, which ones are doing well, which ones are not as good. I've had products that smelled really bad, believe it or not. <laughs> and so I was like, okay, well, clearly that's not going to work. Um, so there's lots of different things that you might not know until you actually have it in your hands and can actually use it. And so... I'm really kind of simplifying everything here, but once you've talked to these suppliers and and narrowed down which one you like, you can also look at uh, MOQ, which is short for minimum order quantities, and you're gonna be determining, you know, how many units can I buy from this supplier? Say it's a, a dollar. Let's just say like a barbecue grill mat, right? So say it's fifty cents uh, for a unit, and their minimum order quantity is a thousand units. Then you know you've got it. Five hundred dollars there, or like, yeah, five hundred dollars. <laughs> Got to get my math going. <laughs> um, and so you'll know, okay, that's going to be my initial cost. Um, and there's other things you might want to do, like say, for example, have your logo put onto the to the products. That might add an extra two or three cents. Uh, you might have some packaging if you wanted premium packaging that might add an extra fifteen twenty cents a unit. And so there's all these different things that kind of come into it. But the end goal is to find a supplier that has a good quality product, place your initial order, have it shipped over from China to the U.S. Typically, most people, even those outside the U.S., are going to sell on Amazon.com to start. Although some people are going to other marketplaces when they first go uh, instead. Uh, and then you're going to get it up on Amazon and, and kind of go through there. So there's a lot of different things I talked about there, but maybe... Yeah. You can uh, pick some spots. No, and That's great. No. Yeah, yeah. I think um, and that's a great just high level overview. Um, maybe let's just start. Let's just just talk about uh, manufacturing. Like I know that um, Alibaba has a lot of stuff on there. Is that is that the best place to, to look or are there other other ways that you've found to, to find products that are or factories that are making products similar to what you're looking to, to have made? So far, I've only ever used Alibaba to find suppliers. I think it's okay for a beginner that's starting out, um, but I also know people that that are doing considerably better than I am, and you know they have what, what are called buyers agents that are located in China that they hire full time for say eight hundred to a thousand dollars a month or so. Uh, again, because you know the wage disparity between what's a nice cost of living in another country is vastly different than that of people here in the U.S. So. Uh, in any case, you know, you can contact those people and they have, you know, they might be able to find suppliers that aren't even on Alibaba, of which there's, there's plenty, right. That aren't on Alibaba because Absolutely. they know that 
like Bob, they're gonna have people like me and maybe people that are listening to this to contact <laughs> Emasic for for samples when they when we don't know what we're doing when we first start out. <laughs> and um, do do the factories uh like do they give you samples for free or do you pay for that? How does that how does that the sample process work? Yeah, so it's usually there's some variance between suppliers, but all the suppliers I've talked to, it's 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 very much a we'll give you the sample for free, but you're paying for shipping basically. Yeah. Uh, and now the other thing that they would add an extra cost to it is if you wanted it to be customized. So if you wanted to send them a logo file and you wanted it actually, you know, say heat print, heat transfer printed or whatever the printing techniques are, yep. if you wanted it onto the actual unit itself, then that's going to add an extra fee. Usually they call it like a logo fee or a mold fee or something. Sure. Um, even if you're not actually getting a mold created, they just, that's something that they, they list on the, on the invoice. But, uh, so that's, yeah, so that's part of it. And so you find you find a manufacturer a sample that's that's really solid, and um, you have you know let's say that you're you know to go with the the barbecue example like you say that you you can order five hundred is the the minimum order. Did you do you just start there and then put it on Amazon and just see what happens, or what once you get the product? Um, and I guess there also is the other step of how do you get the product to Amazon. Um, but maybe you could walk us through that that stage of the process as well. Yeah, let's let's do that first, right? Since it's kind of a natural progression. So yeah. getting the product from China to the U.S., uh, there's lots of different ways you can do it. Um, one of the uh, the most common way, well, actually, I'm not sure if it's the most common way, but the way that I do it is uh, I use a freight forwarder. And so you can just Google freight forwarding companies, and there's a lot of them, and you can contact them to get quotes. Um, but basically, what a freight forwarder does is they take the headache out of the shipping process. So the way they do that is by going to, you know, they have they usually have offices in China or wherever it is it is that you're sourcing your products from. Mm-hmm. And then they coordinate with your manufacturer to to take shipment of the units and then take them to the, you know, to the airport to airship them or to the sea to do them through sea shipping. Sure. Uh, but the point is, is that, you know, when I contact my freight forwarder and ask them to I say, Hey, I have a new pickup for five thousand units at this location. Uh, you know, what's the quote, when's the time frame for this to arrive? And then, you know, I agree to the price and then all I get is, uh, you know, occasional updates and then just it's here, right? So I don't ever have to think about, you know, oh, is it getting through customs or is the paperwork right? Uh, but I know lots of people that, that do it another way, which is where they use the supplier's DHL account, for example, right? Because their account's going to have a lot more volume on it and more history. And so they're going to have a better price than if you were to just create your own. And so they'll use their supplier's uh, DHL account, and then they'll actually do that process. Uh, but that's not something that I'm, I personally have done yet because I wanted to, and this is another thing I should mention for any business I start is, I want to do, take the least amount of steps to get to, uh, to get to a result, right? So either a result of successful, this is great, or it's a test and it didn't work out that well onto something else. Uh, and so, Everything that I did moving up to this was let's just get something going and then see how it see how it goes, right? So, and so using a freight forwarder is one of those extra kind of shortcuts in terms of the of saving money. Now you can of course save, and the way I look at it too is that if I'm up there and making money on Amazon using things that are might be more expensive. So for example, a freight forwarder instead of you know using it someone else's uh, or the supplier's DHL account trying to save some some money. Uh, then I just know that as the business scales, then later on down the line, then those are already different things that I can save money on. 
Um, but if you're if you're thinking about all these different challenges of this business and fretting over you know customs or all that stuff, then you're going to get stuck just not doing anything. And so, so anyways, that's what I do is yeah, I just write for order. And I think that 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 approach, like you said there, I just I just added it. I, I wrote down your three the, your three your three rules. I just added <laughs> added that as your fourth, the the, <laughs> le- the least amount of uh, steps to get results because I think that that's really important. Is the idea of of the minimum viable product, like what's what's the the baseline most basic version of this business that can actually function and then from there like you're saying like you can you can change it you can perfect it you can hone it over time um, exactly so that, yep. makes, that makes a lot of sense and so you use the same the same freight forwarder for all all of your products yep for the most part yeah. uh, i've been looking at potentially getting some others um but i'm actually kind of at a, bit of, at a bit of a crossroads i'm trying to decide what to do with the direction of uh of the business because i've just been stockpiling the cash that's been off-putting <laughs> and trying to decide you know maybe trying to go next level as in like creating something truly unique and then trying to get some type of a patent in place um you know so i'm just i'm basically at this part where you know the summers when uh and historically my businesses i i just don't work as much because i'm trying to just take a break uh, and then recharge and get ready for the last half you know the last half of the year when it's a lot more busy um but you know so now i'm just basically trying to reflect and decide which direction to take it so to, to jump back to kind of our, our progression there so you get your yeah. forwarder your forwarder gets it to amazon and then i assume you know you'll amazon will notify you hey your your shipment's here what happens next yeah so i mean you, ahead of that time you have to create uh, a listing and and when you create a listing it you know you can create um you need a UPC code. You can just Google cheap UPC codes, buy some, and you know you're gonna apply a UPC code to your Amazon listing because you know you're creating your own product, so it needs a UPC code. Yep. Uh, and then I don't want to add too much complexity because this is gonna make people. So here's another <laughs> sure. thing too, right? People <laughs> inside our groups where people talk about, you know, where we're helping other people do these businesses. There's always these questions about UPC codes and FN SKUs and all these different things. Uh, Amazon has this unique barcode system where any of these products that come through, uh, when you buy on Amazon, you're going to look on the back and it will have, um, it, it's an FN SKU is what it's called. So inside your listing, when you create it on Amazon, there's a spot where you can go in and you can download the FN SKU label. And all you have to do is hand that to your supplier and say, hey, put this on the back of the product. Cool. Um, now again, this is something where when I first started out, I thought, you know what, I don't want to deal with these labels because people were talking about it in our Facebook groups and stuff. It's like I'm just gonna make it simple, and Amazon has an option where you can pay 20 cents a unit, and they'll label it for you. So for my first shipment, I just did that. It was 500 units, and I thought, okay, whatever, it's 100 dollars or yeah, 100 dollars, and maybe maybe it's not, I'm like messing up my math. Anyways, it was cheap, and I was like, just again, get it up on Amazon. Who cares? Let's get it going. Um, but yeah, so you you create your listing, and you know, part of this component too is you know having a good good quality listing. So a lot of different factors come into play there. So the, the title that you have, the images that you use, the bullet points that you write, uh, and then also the product description. And so if you need ideas for that, you can look at what's already selling on Amazon because again, as we talked about earlier, everything that you know that's selling well is publicly uh, available information because you can just look at the best seller rank. And so the lower the rank, the higher the sales volume. And so you can say, okay, look, this is what's doing really well. And you can attack it from a different angle, right? So trying to differentiate in a way that um, that matters to to your target market. 
And you can find that information now by looking at different reviews, right? So you can say someone's complaining about this barbecue grill mat not having, you know, two. Well, then maybe you can make a two pack, right? So that's that's kind of one way. Yep. But um, anyway, so continuing yeah. on, what's the next stop here? Um, yeah. Well, <laughs> maybe just along that lines, like photos. Do you you know have to find someone who does product photography and get them to take a picture of your your product? I assume. Yeah. So then, in a couple different ways. Um, one is I've just had uh, my supplier. Uh, for one of my newer suppliers, I had them do this. They sent the units to a photographer in China, and they took the photos, uh, and those were good. Those were good. And, um, it's pretty pretty inexpensive too, less than the U.S. And then I've also have a friend, uh, also based here in Washington, that uh, I did out. She took us out, and we did like a, a model type shoot type thing, uh, and it wasn't too expensive to do it that way as well. Uh, but the very first, again, making it simple, very first product shots that we did for the product. Um, I just went up to my friend who's in Seattle before a Seattle Sounders game. And I said, hey, can you take some quick photos of this product? I'm going to be selling on Amazon later this week. And he's like, sure. And he took some photos. And then, you know, I have a, a graphics guy that I've worked with for a few years. And I said, here, can you take the, the background out and make it white? <laughs> and threw him up there and, and went and away. That did go. it. Wow. Yeah. That's awesome. Very cool. So there's always like the easier thing you can do to get going. Yeah. And then improve it as you go along. I love that. That's great. So you've got the photos, you've got the description, you've got the title. How, how do people find you? I know that, you know, reviews matter um, and that kind of thing. But what, like, will people just start finding you immediately just through the search or do you have to take action to be found? So it depends, right? Some of the different, sometimes, you know, you list a product and you might start getting sales right away. For the first product I did that, that was, it was like that. I started getting some natural sales. Um, one of the things that I did is I listed the product intentionally lower, right? Much lower than competitors thinking that, you know, yeah, exactly. Right. Thinking that, you know, the best part about Amazon is that the people are searching for things on Amazon are searching for stuff to buy. Um, whereas with Google, when you're trying to build a website, for example, you don't know necessarily if they're looking to buy. Uh, when they land on your website. But on Amazon, if they search for something and they land on your product listing, you know they're interested in buying that product. Um, so in a lot of cases, you know, you can go with a lower price, you know, going with a, a lower price to initially get some sales going. Uh, and then also to help drive some initial reviews. And then using that momentum, being able to raise your price more as you start to add, uh, start to sell more. And then you can also add more variants, say, for example, different sizes or different colors or different combos or whatever it may be. Um, to that listing so that it adds more options for that customer to buy as well. And um, I mean, ultimately, the, the way you have to look at Amazon is that they they um, will rank people based on who makes them the most money, right? Because the only thing they care about is maximizing the revenue they make for every customer that comes to their website. They care about the experience, of course, too. Um, but every keyword you see when you search for it on Amazon, those are keywords that you start to type in that they've done analysis to figure out these lead to more sales than the keywords that we aren't displaying. And so there's a lot of different things that you can, that you can kind of, you know, reverse engineer when you're thinking back to what is it that they can get me more sales. Uh, but if you really know, okay, Amazon cares about me if I make them money, um, then you can kind of work backwards from that. Right. So the conversion rate of your, of your listing is really important. And so yes, you're right. Getting a lot of reviews is very helpful. And we built some software, some software for that too. I didn't come on to like to say, hey, here's all the stuff that we do. But the thing that's funny is that you know I've been doing different businesses now for uh, it'll be six years full time in October, 
And so software is kind of what I originally started with and then, or not necessarily that websites rather, and then started buying websites, selling websites some software. Uh, and then now more recently, Amazon software, and then also Amazon selling. That's great. So anyways, uh, you, don't, yeah. don't feel, don't feel bad about talking about it. I'm, I'm curious. So tell me, can you tell me more about this? So the software helps you optimize Optimize well, so your the, listing. So the software that we built, it, it's uh, salesbacker.com. And then what it does is anytime someone buys your product, you can automatically send them out a sequence of emails designed to help get them to review your product. So you're able to get uh, natural organic reviews from your customers as you sell them those products. And so, it's, it, so there's some other people that, uh, some other competitors out there, but we focus specifically on private label people. And it's one of those things where, uh, you know, it's, it's a free usage up to a certain number of emails. And so unless people are successfully selling, then we can't actually charge people anyways, right? Um, but, but yeah, so, there's, so that's one angle. But another thing, too, is you can do, you know, a product launch. So one of the ways you can do that, and again, trying to think about ways outside the box, is you can try and build up an audience of people that are interested or maybe interested in your product ahead of the time you actually are going to be launching it. So one of the best times you can do this is when your product is in production. So you've already done all the research, you've picked out which supplier you want to go with, they're producing the product, and the next step is just, okay, what am I going to do while that is getting produced? And usually, you know, it's maybe it's three weeks, four weeks of production time, but then also the shipping time. So there's some time that you have to do that. And so uh, in my case, for the first product, I didn't do this, but you could create you know, a Facebook page and you could start to drive traffic to that, both either through Facebook ads or any other type of angle you can do. You can contact blogs, you can uh, say, hey, I'd like to give away some of, my f- some of these units. We created the best barbecue grill mat in the world. Yep. And <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> and and then you can kind of go that, that way, right? Most people that do this, just throw it up on Amazon and then either sales come or they don't, right? And then they're not really sure what, what other, other way, right? Yep. Uh, and so there's different things you can do to try and to drive that initial traffic, right? So the kind of the goal is launch well, get some initial reviews, and then start getting more reviews as more custom, more, more customers naturally purchase your product. Yep. And so, and, and then again too, it's just looking at what's already selling on Amazon. So you can see what's selling, look at what they're doing for their marketing, right? Find their website, find their mm-hmm. social media. What are they doing to try and, you know, are they doing contests? Are they doing promotions? Are they interacting with their community? All these different things you can do to figure out, okay, what are people doing that's successful and to try and reverse engineer it, and then how can I do the same thing but put some twist on it that's different and that you know that can be that can make more sense, right? So, yeah. And I think that's something that a lot of people miss too is is they don't try and differentiate themselves that much. They sell the exact same thing and then wonder why why it's not selling. it doesn't work, right? Yeah. But, but but the crazy thing is that in some cases you can sell the exact same thing and it will work. <laughs> um, <laughs> and, but and the difference. Saying, the difference yeah. then would probably be in, in how all the other work that you're doing to get people to pay attention, right? Exactly, right? Yeah. And then also in, say, the conversion rate of your listing. Sure, sure. Um, But I mean, that's, and, and so there's, and that's the thing that I'm trying to say, because of course, naturally, as more people talk about this, there'll be more competition as it goes along. But uh-huh. the, co- the goal of anything is to try and be a step ahead of that, right? Yep. And so some of these other ways that you can drive traffic that people might be aware of, but they don't really try yeah. It's something that you can do to set yourself apart. Yep, that makes sense. And I've I've heard some people talk about just paying all their friends to to buy their product. Is that a strategy that you would suggest? Yeah, so it's a strategy that that people have used, friends and family. But that is something that more recently uh, Amazon has explicitly stated as against their review terms of service. Oh wow! Okay. Um, 
so there's a section that says specifically examples that they wouldn't want you to to leave a review, right? One be an example of buying a competitor's product and leaving a review, buying your own product and leaving a review, family member leaving a review. It doesn't mention friends as of the sure. time we're recording this, but uh, <laughs> but it does mention family members specifically. And so again, I mean, the basic question is how is Amazon going to tell? You know, they're not you know not necessarily. I do know that if you if they've ever logged in on your specific home network where you're logging into your Amazon Seller Central account, then they are usually able to track that, and then there won't be reviews for that. Interesting. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's, there's but the thing is, those initial reviews from friends and family, that's only going to be a handful because <laughs> you'll find that people, just like we all are, are really busy, and getting people, your friends and family, leave reviews, <laughs> even if they're really good friends and really good family members. Yeah. Uh, it's a huge pain. I mean, I, I did it for my first product. I don't do it anymore. Um, and, and so there's other ways you can do that, right? There's also a, a place on Amazon called the Top 10,000 Reviewers. And you can go through, and again, that's actually part of Amazuite that just kind of goes through all those reviewers, pulls in all their information, then looks at what they're interested in, and then and you can figure out, okay, this person's interested in photography. Let me contact them with my photography product, and they can leave me a review. So there's a, there's a bunch of different ways you can drive reviews. There's also um, paid launching services and, and to help drive initial sales to help you get those initial reviews. Um, but yeah, there's a lot, a lot of different things that you can do uh, on that side. Totally. And so positive reviews are good for the product. And I would assume that negative reviews are less good. How do you, how do you ha handle, I mean, I guess in part of that too is, is the customer service aspect. Um, but let's start with, with less than positive reviews. Um, what happens when you get bad reviews? Hopefully yeah. you won't, but I'm so, sure it so, happens. Well, there's one way you can help avoid those. Um, so if you're using like Salesbacker and you're sending emails to people, you can send an email and ask for seller feedback first. And seller feedback is a different metric. Uh, and that is more, it's more mainly for sellers that are, um, using Fulfilled by Merchant and they're doing their own shipping. Um, but it still exists uh, for FBA sellers like myself where we're sending it into Amazon and they're dealing with all the logistics. But um, you can ask for seller feedback first and then if they give you negative seller feedback, you can automatically stop sending them emails. <laughs> but then what you can do is you can contact Amazon and say, hey, this is, this is um, a product review. It's not actually you know, feedback about our customer, you know, about our, our shipping and all that. And then you can sure. have it removed. Okay. So you can ask for seller feedback first and then ask for a review. And then that way, you know, with the software, you can filter that automatically. Interesting. Um, so that's one way you can kind of help mitigate those um, negative reviews. But when they do come in, the key is really for any negative review, you want to reply to them. And, and there's lots of ways you can find out who the customer is, uh, especially if first getting started. It's not that many orders to look through. Uh, and, and so you'll, you'll look to see, you know, what are these people um, you know, what's, what's their concern? Is it something that I can address? Are they crazy? Cause there's just so many, there's, there's always going to be some handful of people that are just so ridiculous. Like they'll uh -huh. buy things and they'll leave a review, like as if it's not even the same product or they'd be like, why isn't, why aren't there two when there's like no indication that there are two in the, in a package. Right. So yeah. there's just some bizarre situations. And so some of those, like some of those kind of over the top examples, you can get those removed by just contacting Amazon. I'd be like, clearly this is, you know, this is not right. Um, but sometimes, you know, you, you just, they come, it's natural, you're going to get them. And if you can't, if you can't, um, find the customer to contact them to try and make it right, um, then, you know, you just have them and it's fine. You comment on them. So the people that are, are doing that research to see, you know, what are you selling or rather, 
what are people saying negatively about this product? And the, oh, look, I looked at this review and I see the sellers also commented on it. And that can help with, you know, not hurting your conversion rate, seeing that you're responsive to those negative reviews. Absolutely. And maybe even in some ways improve the conversion rate because you know that, that the, uh, the seller is going to take care of you if something, if you don't like it or whatever. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. That's very cool. And so if there's like someone wants to send, send something back or it's just not what they were thinking it was, is that all handled by Amazon or do you have to interact with that process as well? That's, I mean, that's part of, again, that's part of the reason why I like this business model so much is that, you know, I've been doing software for a lot longer than I've been doing Amazon, uh, selling physical products on Amazon. And so we have uh, several support staff and then, <laughs> and then also another full-time person that I hired that's based out of Seattle that helps me. Uh, and then, so I don't have to do support tickets that often. Um, but in that regard, you know, we get hundreds of emails, um, probably a few thousand actually a month that were replying to all these emails, right? When you're selling on Amazon, Amazon's like the first line of defense. And so, you know, in, in the, when I first started out selling software, I had, you know, the first person I hired for support, they offered the, they did the first line of defense, right? So the most basic things, like I forgot my password or my license key or whatever, and they handled those. And then the harder things get through to, to me, right? So in the same way, when you're selling on Amazon, it's like only occasionally do things get through to you because oftentimes Amazon's already going to be helping them. And then even in the emails you send to people, say an automated sequence, you can say, here, reach out to Amazon here and they can help you out if there's a problem with your order. Uh, I think I looked back a while ago to see how many emails I received. It's really not that often, but, um, but yeah, so oftentimes it's just like a request for a refund or something. And so you can either, you can either say they need to send it back into Amazon or usually if I just see like a photo of whatever the problem might be or, or something like that, I'll just refund their money and even, even without getting the product back, because often if it's a, if there's a problem with the product, you can't resell it anyways. Uh, and then that usually can also result in positive feedback too. And this is kind of stepping back in the process, but I'm just thinking about, you know, from, from my standpoint, if I were to do this, like something that I would, I, I think sometimes I can be a bit of a control freak and like, uh, packaging is all done at the factory. Um, and I guess I'm also thinking of like, you know, when, when the buyer gets this thing and takes it out of their box, the box, you haven't necessarily seen that, which is great because that, that takes your time out of the equation. The factory has pack, packaged it and sent it to Amazon and everything. Um, but how much control do you have over how it's packaged? Like the label, the, if there's boxing or anything along those lines? Yeah. So I, actually oftentimes, um, the, the factories and, and manufacturer suppliers, they're, they're not actually going to do the, the packaging very often. It's usually they'll contract out another company they work with. Okay. Um, just like, you know, if I'm, I'm not a programmer, so I'm going to contract a programmer to, to write some software code. Um, the same thing, they, they do the same thing on the packaging side. And so you can say, okay, this is what I like the packaging to look like. You have a graphics person do the packaging. And actually I just, um, I'm looking over my shoulder to, uh, a recent unit that came in with a, a newly redesigned package and it looks pretty good. And I, I saw, you know, they can send on photos what it looks like ahead of time. And then also once the, the first one printed off type of thing to see if it's like a cardboard option or whatever. And you can say, okay, that looks good or that doesn't look good. And you can, can change that. So you can, you have quite a bit of control. Um, but the thing too, is you just want to make sure you don't go too crazy with the, with back and forth type things. So the biggest thing that I've learned in, in dealing with, um, suppliers in China is that the less, I mean, it's important to have everything, all the main details down, but the less you can be 
um, wishy-washy in terms of your decision making, the better because it's just going to add confusion and then also take longer time frame, right? So I like to be very direct with what it is that I want and how many units I want, what I want to be on the units, um, you know, all that stuff so that it's just, it cuts through everything. And so the conversation can be shorter. Yep. That makes sense. And is, is language ever an issue, language barrier? Um, not really. I mean, all the suppliers, I mean, yes, but n- not in the sense that, um, you know, every supplier that I, that I work with, it's just all Skype communication and over text, right? So there's yeah. no audio really. So how long, let's say that someone's listening to this and they're like, I'm going to do this right now. They, you know, con- they find their product, they, um, get their, you know, start, just start doing that whole process that you've outlined. How long should it take or maybe just to give people an idea of how, how long how long maybe it would does it typically take from from Amazon you know getting that uh, getting their stuff to them actually like being able to make you know some decent money off of it yeah I mean I would say from say the time of I'm gonna do this to I have a product up and it's on Amazon would be around say three months or so. Um, it could be less than that, but I'm just guessing when people first start out, they're going to take longer time. They might have other commitments come up, et cetera. Um, when I first started selling, I we had a five-month, yeah, five-month-old twin daughters. And so, and then I had my other businesses that are, are larger, but I was doing this on the side um, for fun, but also just to see if it would, would work, right? Uh, I thought, hey, this is, you know, I'm so used to just doing software and selling digital bits and all that. <laughs> um and dealing with bugs and all that, but this would be kind of fun to sell something physical and try it out. And, and so that's what I did, right? I did it uh, on the side and, and that's, a, I believe that's about how long it took me. And I was a year ago or so. Um, but I could have, I mean, especially looking back, I could have done it faster, but I also think there are things that I did that, that made it shorter for me in terms of how much time I was putting into it. So some of those being like, you know, not worrying about the labeling thing, not worrying about shipping and the labeling thing is really simple, but at the time, I just saw all these different people talking about it differently, and I was like, "Okay, I'm just gonna, I'm just I, gonna pay the labels, right?" I think I would, I would probably do the same thing. Just like it's just another complication that we yeah. can figure out later. I mean, it, it's all about just making it as simple as possible. So yeah, and so once you have the sales coming in, so once it's up on Amazon, I, I imagine it's probably just a, depends on how much work people do to get reviews and all of that. But like, what's the time frame? How fast can someone scale this up to make you know? I don't know, a couple thousand dollars a month. I guess it depends on the product, but maybe if we go with our, <laughs> with our, with our barbecue mat, um, yeah. let's say that it, you know, it sells for 10 bucks or whatever. And, yeah. you know, um, without having to do too much math, but like just off the top of your head, like what, what's realistic as far as volume that you can scale up to and how long does it take? I mean, it, it's one of those questions that, um, it's a valid question, but it's also a it's a tough one to answer because it's going to vary based on a lot of different factors. Sure, you know, the, the price, yeah, yeah, the price of the product that you're selling it at, um, the competition that you have, especially if you've gone too competitive. Um, and the thing that to to keep in mind is on competition because I want to make sure people don't you know try and go into selling something super competitive. Um, but generally, the more competitive it is, the more money you're going to need to enter in, right? So larger war chests you're going to have to have for products to give away or promotions to do or traffic to drive. All those different things are going to come into play. Um, but so just as an example, for my first 30 days, I believe it was, uh, I think I had $3,000 my first 30 days. From the time I had my first sale, it was about $3,000 in revenue. Um, 
and then before the end of that year, and then yeah, and then as of the time of this recording, my best month's been about thirty six thousand dollars, uh, with about forty to fifty percent profit margins, and then and yeah, and that's not a full time thing for me. That I I have other businesses that are um, bigger that I focus on, but this is but 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 again, there's it shows so much promise that I want to to do more. So I'm actually looking at potentially hiring someone full time to help with it. Um, and there's other things too, like you know, hiring a of a buyer's agent, et cetera. Uh, but you can you can scale up fairly quickly, right? And there's also people that the first product they pick, it it's not a not a winner and it doesn't work out. And so you need to be able to to do something else. So there's always there's always that risk, I guess. And um, and also too, there's a chance that by the time you, you pick something, there's other people gonna be selling it that that might not have been initially because you know new competitors or whatever. Um, and then I've also seen people that have gone absolutely nuts like their first six months they're at 100k a year or 100k a month rather right um but again in those cases usually it's like their full-time thing they have more money to put into it and everything else um but it's but the but the way i look at it is that you know someone has to there you know people are on amazon to buy products and the people you know the, the the companies behind these products are just people just like you or i or anyone listening and so someone has to be selling these products, so why not me? And uh, I'll just try it out and see how it goes. And that was the approach that I took. And and that's the way to look at really any business is you know there's someone has you know there's someone has to do it. Why not me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's a very entrepreneurial mindset. Um, yes. Yeah, which maybe that's a, a good transition point. I'd love to hear you more of. So I know you you have a have a role in in Amasuite and and SalesBacker.com. Um, can you give us an idea of some of the other some of the other projects that you that you play with? Yeah, yeah. So I I either own or I'm a partner, a business partner in about four different businesses. And so my primary business, uh, which is just the one that I started um, uh, first, and that's you know some, I own different websites in there that make money from from ranking in Google and and getting ad clicks or affiliate stuff, uh, and also blogging, etc. Uh, and then uh, salesbacker.com. I'm a co-founder of that service, and that's primarily where most of my attention is at these days um, with helping other sellers uh, in that regard and getting more reviews for them. And then there's the Amazon business, and that's something I do uh, solo. And then there's the business. Uh, we have some WordPress software-type products and other software things, and so I have a, a business partner on that as well. Cool. And you're, but you're not a developer. No, I've not. Uh, the most code I know is just different HTML things in a blog post, you know, yeah. putting in an image or whatever, aligning it to the left or right. So, yeah, yeah I'm not a developer, yeah. um, which just on my side, you know, if, and if you don't know how to develop um, software, then, you know, you have to be able to see where you can add value elsewhere, right? So in my case, then it needs to be selling, right, or marketing or some angle that's, um, that adds value besides that or, you know. So a lot of it's you know product uh, management in terms of deciding what users would want the most, uh, and then how the product should flow, and then also communicating that to the developer. Uh, sometimes developers know intuitively what would make the most sense, and you know, but but uh, yeah, so that's that's what I do. Cool. I'm sure. I mean, I I have a thousand more questions I can ask all, about all, all all of that and partnership. <laughs> um, you're just like a, a wealth of of wisdom. Um, but I also want to honor honor your time. Um, cause I know we've been, been going here for a little, for a little bit. Um, 
just before we, I mean, and I guess before I even say anything more, just thank you so much for just like, man, what a thorough walkthrough. Um, I feel like anyone who, who takes this in would have such a, a better understanding of how private label works, how to get started. Um, and so thank you for that. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Thanks Super so much cool. for the invite. I appreciate it. Yeah. Um, if someone's out there, you know, thinking about starting, starting up with Amazon or maybe just like they're at a job and they're, they're not sure what they want to do, but they want more freedom. Um, I'd love if you just have some, some tips as either you can either take the, <laughs> as an Amazon expert or just as an entrepreneur, like what is something that you would say to, to parents that are trying to balance family and work and, and, you know, making ends meet? Yeah. I mean, I think that's, that's a tough question. There's a lot of different uh, aspects in there. I mean, everyone's situation is different. Uh, for me, I just knew that um, I really wanted to do my own thing and I wanted to kind of control my own destiny or so to speak, or steer yeah. my own ship, I guess. Mm -hmm. Think of some more really bad analogies. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, uh, but yeah, I mean, I, I think it, it just comes down to, okay, at least for when I first started, it was just like, I know I don't want to do this day job thing. And so what is it that I can do to not do that? <laughs> and so originally it was just, I, I found, you know, some website and it had something that said like ads by Google. And I was like, what's that? And so I contacted the guy, the owner of the site just through the contact form and said, Hey, I see you have these ads on your site. You know, how much, you know, if you don't mind me prying, how much money does, does you, do you get from this? And right. Some people were like, who's this random person? <laughs> um, but I have no shame. So I asked the question and then the guy told me and, and so I thought, wow, wow, he's making, you know, this much money. If I can just get a lot more traffic, then I can do the same thing. And that was enough for me to say, okay, I'm going to try and do that. And so uh, in some cases it's being persistent. Um, and I guess we kind of go to random here, but I, I guess the biggest suggestion I'd, I'd make is, you know, decide what it is you want to do. Um, set a deadline for when you want to accomplish it by. So say, for example, if it is Amazon, when you want to have your first product up and then make sure you stick to that, right? There's a lot of different distractions in life. And certainly once you get done working a job, you know, depending on, you know, what you're doing for a living, it might be really stressful or really tiring. Uh, and the last thing sometimes you want to do is to go home and work on your business. But if you think about, you know, making it through to the other side, um, what it's like, then, you know, it can be really re rewarding. That's not to say now that, you know, I've been doing this full time now for almost six years, but, and it's not to say everything's a cakewalk, because uh, in many regards it's harder, right? Because I'm, I'm working more hours because I, I like it. I like being able to do, to do this, but, uh, but it is fun, right? So, yeah, and you have the freedom, you know, the freedom to work where you want to, whenever you want, and um, like you said earlier, take a little bit more time off in the summer, um, and I think that 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 kind of freedom is really desirable. So I, th I really appreciate that, and I think that that's, I think just a really good encouragement that like, um, to to keep the goal in mind and remember the goal when when things are hard and when it's you know, when when you have those questions of like I don't know if this is gonna work, um, to keep pushing through. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, the thing too is that and even if the first thing you try fails, then that's fine. You've learned something. And I certainly know that everything that I do moving forward, I have a better shot at success because of the previous failures. Uh, and, you know, eventually some things are going to stick. And that's why I have the, so many businesses uh, <laughs> is this because stuff has worked. And then, you know, in some cases, I'll step back a bit from those and have other people work on them so that I can focus on something bigger. And, uh, and then that's kind of how you go. That's awesome. I love it. Well, thank you once again, just for, for being on the show, for giving us so much, so much of your time and, and, um, 
your wisdom. Um, besides Upfuel, is there any um, Upfuel.com? Is there any other um, places that people should look to connect with you, or anything that you'd like to invite people to to do? Uh, probably just uh, Twitter, I guess. Twitter.com/slash Chris Guthrie. Awesome. So just my name. Perfect. Well, and, I'll make uh, sure to yeah. put links to those in in the show notes as well. Thanks so much for your time and uh, have a great night. Thanks, Dan. Had a pleasure speaking with you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Chris Guthrie, for being on the show. It was just just a killer overview of the whole Amazon private label process. Uh, since I recorded this interview, I've been poking around on Amazon and, and planning how I'm going to take over. <laughs> well, not really take over, but I'm going to give it a try and see what I can do. And so, um, Chris, I'm, I'm just so grateful for even just my own, you know, personally for my own education that you, that you gave in this episode. And I know that you've delivered just so much great value for all of our listeners as well. So if you're listening to this, don't just... I think you could say this about all of our episodes. Don't just listen to it and then move on to the next podcast or to the next episode or whatever it might be, but take some time to actually like research and, and try some of these, put, put some, some time into implementing the things that we go over because it, knowledge isn't valuable unless there's action behind it. So I just want to encourage you to, to put some of the great stuff that um, Chris laid out here and, and put it into action. If you want to uh, check out more of what Chris is up to, you can head over to the show notes at startupwithkids.com slash episode 007 and you'll find links to upfuel amasuite sales backer and and even uh, i'll link to that article that chris mentioned about that the amazon whisper in fast company while you're there go ahead and sign up for our newsletter and stay up to date with all things startup with kids related we deliver nothing but the best best strategies for building a family friendly business so i'd love to have you um, join us there thanks so much for tuning in and I will see you in the next episode.